0: And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: This is episode 54. I am so happy that you're here and thank you for joining my show, your coach, Helen Yuskovic. I am on a worldwide mission to help people get confident in putting themselves first because I used to put myself second my whole life and because of that I experienced every unhealthy relationship possible. An unhealthy relationship with myself, my health, my wealth, my intimate relationships, my family, my friends and my career. I just wanted to pop in here and let you know about two events that i have coming up the first one is a self-care event physical self-care event june 26th so for those of you that live in sydney australia i have a beautiful two and a half hour workshop that involves foam rollering trigger ball work stretch meditation yin yoga and a whole bunch of beautifulness. And if you're interested in that, I'll put a link below in the show notes so that you can attend. I also have the annual whole health alkaline cleanse coming up and that is starting July 1st to July 10th. It is basically a 10 day detox where we spend 10 days together just giving back to our bodies. There's a few protocols that you have to take. So if you're interested, just register your details on my email which is info at a u, and I'll send you more information, now let's get into it. Welcome to the show, I'm laughing because this is take two, we didn't record the first time so we're going again. I have the beautiful Karen Lebsanf on the call with me today and Karen is a proud Burra Burra woman. She is a community focused leader coming from nothing and forging through the challenges of loss, identity, breakups, breakdowns to eventually build a successful business that has allowed her to create life changing opportunities through holding belief and I'm sure once she starts talking, you'll know exactly what this business is. So, Karen, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much, Helen. It is very good to be here. I'm really pleased, very blessed. Thank you so much for having me.
1: (laughs) Can you tell us, Karen, a little bit about you, your life, your history with your work and your career and where you are now? How has your life unfolded for
0: you? Absolutely. Let's start with where I am today. So today I'm actually a, 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 biz, a speaker and I take the, the um, story of my business that I've built over the last 28 years to storytelling, to actually tell the story out to communities. And where what that business has been and is, is Courage on Kitchen Lavosh. So hopefully... Your listeners will know that product. We've been sitting in Australian pantries for 28 years, uh, served on chef's tables across the nation and served in airlines when they're flying, of course. So really proud to be able to say we've built that. Yeah, it's biscuits, right? Yeah, biscuits, little square crackers that you serve with your cheese and dips and you wander the supermarkets, etc., or grab them in your favourite deli, fruit market, uh, um, and and pro- quite possibly very much seen them on um, a chef's table like a restaurant at an event you would have had courage on kitchen lavash and they're very distinctive when you look at them so yes well known
1: so amazing that you have a (laughs) well-known
0: business exciting because in reality I think you know you get caught up in your journey and for us it's just what we do when I say us it's been my business partner and it's for 28 years and we started off if I go back a little bit, we started back in 1993 when we were serving Lavoche on our restaurant and our cheese platters. Now, we did not invent Lavoche. I always like to say that because people think they have to come up with a new idea. But what we managed to do was bring it to market to the Australian consumer and teach them what it was and how to use it. Because if you go back, and you are no doubt not old enough, but if you go back to then, people were serving Jack's crackers on their entertaining platters, and they aspired. The aspiration was cars, water crackers, the black packet on the supermarket shelf, top shelf, and that's we found a niche in between, and 28 years on, we're still here. Family business, Australian owned, Australian made, manufactured. So that's amazing. So I always say we fell into manufacturing by accident because it was 30 packets back then per week, serving it on the resp- on the cheese platters and then having it in a basket at the door where our customers just wanted to grab it and take it home to impress their friends. And then that sort of drove us further. Today we bake 756,000 pieces a day on average. So it's a, it is a massive jump. And, but, you know, over 28 years, we just kept hanging in. And I think that's what my story is about sustainability and resilience and, and and keep going, the ability to keep going.
1: How did you take this risk to begin this business in the first place, Karen? And when and how did you realise that you were becoming a household name?
0: I, I think... Um, so how did we take the risk I think once you realize oh you know people are really liking this idea is there an opportunity further? and I wasn't the one who was driven by that that was Ben he he's chef he he I call him master baker Ben is master baker he he bakes and create um didn't create the product that I said but created our version of the product because it's a little bit the origin of Lavash is um Armenian flatbread and each little village would have had its own recipe so there are plenty of lavash makers out there you could make lavash at home if you like but we became the convenience factor and we allowed that and also into chefs onto chef's tables. so if I go back a bit to start it wasn't yeah hey look at me I've got a great product Mr supermarket would you like to see me that was the journey that just um took a, a little bit longer so we started selling our 30 packets a week, and I say that to a distributor who was selling it to food service, selling it to um, chefs. So it was chef baking for chef. So there was a a trust there. We also were selling into hamper companies and and people would ring us when they got the packet and go, oh, where can I get this from? So it was driven off the back of that. We also had people who had it served in a restaurant that we didn't know and they would ring us and they would actually ask the waiter or waitress at the time to can you tell us where this product comes from and the waiter or waitress would have to go back house and grab the label and come back and tell them and that story we heard many times over so it wasn't just a one-off so we went oh that's it was very exciting so the the jump forward each stage we've increased has been probably driven from that however I always like to share a story about a defining moment in 1997. So I'm talking 93, that was in the restaurant. By 1997, we'd sort of in the, you've got the energy, you're growing your business in the first four years. And then it was, we had been married in 96. We had, were wanting to have children going, what is this? We were still doing some catering, some function centre management, juggling i will say lavosh was our side hustle in these days you know as to what the words and terminology people are really familiar with lavosh was our side hustle that we decided just to invest in and what made the decision for that we took a stand at fine food show in sydney that's a massive show it attracts about twenty thousand people international visitors um when COVID's not around um and you would always have you know that was the show to be at so we took a stand Last minute, I remember it was dressed, the way the, the stand was dressed was, oh, it's horrible to think about how I dressed it, but I knew we had to be there. It was an investment of $3,500. Now, back then, small business, that's huge. You go, if I'm going to spend $3,500, and there was certainly some, um I'll call it argy-bargy about do we, don't we, you know, about do we spend, don't we spend, Um, and we decided, yes, we would spend. Because we had to understand, was there, the $3,500 was either an investment to grow the business or an investment to make a decision to get out of the business. So that was the, a really good investment. Paid the $3,500, had a number of people come in to us. The best lead we got was a Coles supermarket manager. He came along, he was uh, managing a, a concept store. Love your product. Your packaging won't work. And he worked with us and he gave us a listing and we got into Coles. And it's why the product exists in Australian pantries today. It was the first reason why the pantry yeah, exists in Australian pantries today.
1: Before that, Karen, did you? have a desire to start this company or did you meet with your business partner and say, hey, I've got an idea, how, do, how about we start creating these things or did he come to you or what was the, how did you even start to even think that this was
0: doable? I think that's a little bit out of passion, Helen. As well, you know, people have a passion and a desire, and they understand where their heart sits. I, my role when we talk about lavoche I always say, so Ben is Master Baker. My experience was to deliver to every consumer, every customer who came into that restaurant, and explain to them the journey of Lavoche, what they were eating, why they were eating, the benefits of eating, etc. You know, or why we served it, the all those bits. So my role in that was to give them the experience that they that we wanted them to walk away with. So from that angle, when it was like, gee, Ben would keep baking and then he's no, would, you know, there's been a lot of upgrades in process. That's very process system driven. And especially if you think of a chef, a chef, the process of chef is food in, food out, you know, food in on a plate, food out. It's a process driven system. So jumping to manufacturing, whilst I say we fell into manufacturing by accident because of this, the process of baking and upscaling that was a process driven my role was to come in and go yes let's deliver that experience so I think when and it was in fact my partner who said let's give this a go and then of course we what we're really good at doing when we say let's give this a go we started to talk to people and going what do you think you know sort of thing and and you don't talk to your friends by the way because they'll all often give you the um yeah, 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 yeah. They're not the ones putting the risk on the line. You've got to talk beyond that. You've got to talk to either industry or someone else who's done a business or can give you some real feedback and some real questions to ask yourself.
1: So, you were in a business already, and your partner was the chef, and you guys were delivering these goods in your restaurant, and then this new idea came about and you just sort of took it and ran
0: yeah I think we did that's exactly what we did but also too if you think about you know restaurants I can honestly say to you anybody who wants to buy a restaurant it looks much prettier when you're a consumer than what it does from back of house okay and from trying to make those numbers work and, and these days even even greater and we've seen that the incidence of restaurants pivoting in COVID or closing down or even at a high end there's not money to be made and the reality is those businesses are, resp- are your labour going in they're very labour intensive etc as in as is manufacturing and saying that but there was we couldn't see a future for that and we couldn't deliver a future or get to a broader market um, at all so I think the desire to go yeah well it's a great idea and then start to apply our own learnings from the restaurant in- incidentally. When we were in that restaurant, we won a marketing award um, for a curry night we held in uh, one of the food magazines back then, just going, oh, we're just us doing this. Yeah, we'll enter that. And, And we did. So I think those little wins, whatever those wins look like, and they don't have to be awards, give you inspiration, encouragement and that confidence just to go, oh, yeah, I think I will, I can. That's
1: so great. I think what we can take away from that is to always be open to an opportunity even though you are in the midst of something else. That's beautiful. Ah. Karen, it's time for your first curveball. Are you ready to play? (laughs) Your first curveball is what is something that most people do not know about you?
0: Well, most people on this call won't know. (laughs) Certainly on this podcast won't know i'm i'm actually a twin um and yes i have a twin sister we're not identical but we certainly look alike and we're incredibly close and um it's really nice to be able to have had that person come through life with you um that's also been a challenge as well but it's certainly nice does she work with you She has over many times these days, she has her own amazing business that she's building up and I help her wherever I absolutely can. And she's becoming her own businesswoman in her own right, which is really nice to see.
1: You guys are so entrepreneurial. (laughs) Karen, I'm just curious, was there a time where you wanted to throw in the towel? Was there ever a struggle? And can you talk us through that and what your mindset was and if you had to shift it how did you do that
0: it's a i will say to openly there was many times i wanted to throw in the towel and and that's that was from either being a mum you know having, having had two children and doing the mum balance you know the guilt the guilt mum balance of going um you know where is it there's times when I have wanted to and I'm sorry about the noise in the background but that's trucks delivering La out <laughs> taking lavosh out the door so I have to say it's okay <laughs> um so <laughs> the the mum guilt I would have had you know and going oh I've had enough of this at times even when my first child was born and we were if you think about this we were back in back in the time where there was no mastership there was no my kitchen rules no farmers markets there was no you know it computer technology apps startups all those words did not exist in the startup of our business so we were you know handwritten books etc so having a 6 week old baby but still needing to do the wages for example I'm going I don't want to do this anymore but it's not as easy to just throw it in as much as you might choose to Look, we had a challenge. We actually thought, this, I'll, I'll take you to 2012, but I'll tell you a little story about 2004. So, in 2004, we um, we were on the shelf, and so 2004, we've really been on the shelf in coal since 1998. That was whilst we started baking in 93. 1998, we were on the coal on the shelves. By 2000, we were on Woolworth's shelves. And 2004, we had an established brand. It's it's still very, very young. So it's like trying to get its um, foot feet and just trying to establish where we're going. Well, Arnott's comes out with a Lavoche and a range and puts it on the shelf. Now, of course, as a family business, invested everything. You put risk in it for everything. We really thought we were dead in the water, but it gave us a little bit of you know we weren't prepared to go down without a fight. So what we did, we thought outside the square. And I love this story because it does have a good ending. And I share that because I just show explain the process. We put a small note in every packet, and it did not name the company. I can name it now because we're still here. Um, it did not name the company at all, and it just we just said this is a David and Goliath battle. We need you to continue to buy us and support us, and tell your friends. And in the end, and they also priced higher than us, so they took the high ground. We're better than you, you know. We're it? We can do as we please. And, and you know, you're a small family business, you're trying to manufacture and build an Australian brand. And we came out, and they did take the high ground. the the um, The more, the outcome is we outsold them two to one, as explained by the buyer to us, and we did stay on the shelf. To, yes, and it's a real big yay because their, their range, their small range of savoury uh, was taken off the shelf over time. And I love that story because it's like don't give in. There's plenty of me-toos out there. You know, we all have a me-too brand, somebody trying to do something the same as us, take off, you know, uh, carry off what we're trying to do. It's just stay in your lane and be true to that. I really, you know, that mindset there. I jumped you to 2012 because by 2012 we're in the business 19 years, and we nearly lost the business. And I say, hook, line, and sinker, the home, the you know, we nearly lost absolutely everything. It was such, it was so scary. It was incredibly scary. We're in a really dark period, and it came off the back of, I think, either getting two things: getting wrong advice, not having a, not having enough belief in ourselves and that's where I think I've learned about belief more than anything not having enough belief in our own abilities and our own judgments and our own assessments thinking that we were still the small guy sitting there you know and that we needed all these people to help us along the way we still need people to help us but I think we were still thinking we were back there when we're here now we've managed to successfully turn that business around with a lot of juggling a lot of juggling and restructured our business And we, at the time, what we did do, though, we went to, and it came also off the back of um, an agreement we were in, that company was bought out by a large Chinese company, and they remodeled their structure, so our tail end of our products were not uh were taken off their list. And under our agreement, we didn't have anywhere to put those products. So we had, you know, if you think about it, we had packaging for all those products, we had film, we had everything was worked around that. We had a business model set up to have all those products selling through the distributor. So that was really scary. We remodeled, we got ourselves, we went back to um we talked to all our suppliers and we set up payment plans we were very open and honest and said we didn't go to hide um as much as you want to you want to bury yourself in the sand and and you're building a brand that you know is you know is you know 19 years not necessarily in saying that 19 years old been on the shelf that's 12 uh 14 years you know in the supermarket shelf at that point 14 years so you're known And and to think that you were going to just fade into nothing after incredible hard work, risk, everything you'd given to, to go, it's just going to be taken away because of this decision. So we did remodel and we really just were a little wiser in our decision choices. And it was relying on each other, to tell you the truth, to get through in terms of saying, right, just, just certainly put business in and talk business in that in that space of business time because I probably learned from that more than anything is that, you know, as small business owners, medium business, whatever size business, you always bring your your business into your personal life uh, because then people talk about and people know you for your business and the chat comes into the home and, and then it dominates into, you know, it becomes an all-consuming and you have to learn to separate the, yourself from that business chat to be able to go forward you know really in all honesty I came down to you know living on $20 a week during that time you know and that doesn't allow for makeup from a girl or anything at all and I just had to I really did have belief that we could get through it we'd built that it was nice first of all we recognized what went wrong really clear to us we sat down and analyzed what went wrong before we you know what did we do what contributors were we to it because it wasn't gee that model just changed it what did we do and once we faced it almost face your fear once we faced it we could actually set a plan in place to get out of it, it wasn't easy far from it but we're still here and that's really nice to remember.
1: I love that you basically. Think outside the box. I love how you put the notes in the packaging. That is genius and such a human touch that not many people would get with anything that they buy. And I love that whenever you are faced with a challenge, you're like, no, this isn't going to get me down. What next? And I want to dive into that a little bit further, but it's time for your second curveball. Are you ready to play? I'm ready to play, Helen. (laughs) I am known as a self-care queen. So my question to you is, what is your favourite form of (laughs) self-care?
0: If you'd asked me that a few years ago, that would have been a little bit different. What is my favourite form of self-care? I probably... I'm not um I'm not an exercise fanatic far from it but I really recognize the value of that and and I probably am currently even the more I'm the more I love to get out I do love to get outside and probably when I talk about the self care I engage with um, women on hikes, um, you know, three, four times a year. So I'll go away for a period. It might be a weekend. It might be a few days. I've got one booked um, to the Sapphire Coast in October, I think, and um, I'm really looking forward to that. And they're things that help me escape an acknowledgement that I need that self-care because there were many times over those years I can guarantee I was on the bottom of that list. You know, there was, of course, my husband, my children and, and even the community, I would say, ahead of me and the business, of course. And then I would prioritise myself down, down there. Uh, so these days I realise self-care is not selfish as people would often think I can't do that because I'm not looking after them, especially mums can't do that because, you know, so I think I have to give to them before I can give give to me. But my learning over some of the challenges we've had is that if I cannot look after myself, I cannot look after everybody else. And that's the best takeout.
1: That's beautiful. And someone as entrepreneurial as you, because you are an aspiring speaker too, I think balance is one of, the things that you know you need to master well so that you can as you said pour from a full cup not from a half cup because you're inspiring a lot of people now and I just want to finish off with one more thing people usually have that negative voice in their head that negative voice that negative self-chatter is usually what holds people back from any goal that they set or any dream that they wish to manifest and i'd love to know how you conquer yours and are there certain things that you do to stay on top of your game how do you constantly have this positive
0: self-talk yeah it's an interesting thing because i think part of it is i think is i always go just do sort of thing but i think if i go back to analyze it I do have a belief that anything is possible. I, then I once I have that belief, then I have to make a decision is do I want to engage with that belief to actually achieve it? Whether it's possible or not, I don't bash myself up for going, oh, I could do that, but I don't, but I'm not going to and I don't play those in my head going, yes, no. I do probably when this the that talk comes into my head, and I I think I've probably I've probably spent the last three and a half years, I'll say healing and learning about myself. So I have a much greater awareness of, of all of that, of that balance. I think. Um, a couple of things I do when I, that I, I almost, I'm a very much a visual person. I visualize everything. So in my head, I'm going, there's my negative list for, to, for this outcome. There's my positive list. What's going to be the good and the bad and what don't I like? But I also give myself at the beginning of that process permission to question it, right? So if I give myself permission to question it, it's okay. So I've got a lot happening in my life at the moment. I've actually given myself permission to breathe. Right to stop and breathe because, yeah. And just by saying that to myself, and I actually was saying that to somebody else in a text message the other day, I've given myself permission to breathe. And it's actually okay because I talk about that you get on that treadmill of life and you just don't know how to get off. Or the bang, you know, in 2012, the bang, somebody hit the stop button for you and you went flying off the back of the treadmill and you had to work out how to, you know, claw your way back. Or could you just turn it down a little? And just keep going. Or it's okay to hop off, pop it on pause, grab that drink of water and come back on. And I know, so that's my, how do I do it? I I think I give myself permission to be able to talk it through and, and work it out.
1: That's amazing. I actually just visualised that whole thing. That's such a beautiful analogy, the treadmill of life. And that is why Karen Lebsanf is Karen Lebsamp. She's just full of inspirational things. So, Karen, is there any last parting words of wisdom that you want to share? How can people connect with you? What's next for you? Any little bit of insight that you want to share?
0: I think I, I just want to, you know, I do have a very big connection with community and culture. And I think when you think people and and certainly from um a, a business point of view, you know, the people who come into our lives and in our business and cross our paths with that, they're people. They're real people. They're just not numbers coming through the door. I also have a belief, Helen, that people come into your life for a reason. So whatever we're sitting here and talking, there's something that I'm getting out of it equally as much as giving. And it's that's incredibly important to know. And I might not realise exactly that moment that oh, that's why you're sitting, that's why we're sitting here having the conversation, but it will take, I will take it when I need it and use it. So be really open to it. I love to go out and inspire people and and help through the conversation and through my what I call master storytelling share the story so my um, website is karenlebsanth.com and I just encourage people to jump on there and have a look and, and listen to my story there or jump even over to courageonkitchen.com.au and they can see the story the little bit of the journey of courage on kitchen with some great photos as Um, as well. It's been a pleasure.
1: Perfect. I'll put both of those links on the show notes uh, at the bottom of this show. And I can't thank you enough for sharing your time with me today. It's been
0: sensational. Absolute pleasure indeed. I look forward to another conversation with you another day.
1: What a brilliant mindset, right guys? I hope you really enjoyed that chat as much as I did and I hope it inspired you to take action if you have been coasting a little bit this year and if you needed that little bit of extra motivation and push to move forward, to take a step forward so that you can progress to whatever it is that your heart desires because you can manifest your dream life and I want you to always believe that.